Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another edition of our Roots Running Sessions podcast. I'm Richie Hansing, coach of the Roots Running Project, and in this episode, I'm sitting down with Maggie Montoya to talk about her amazing Houston half marathon race that she ran in January. It was only her second half marathon. She set a big PR of 70 minutes and six seconds, which now ranks her 25th all time in the U.S., She's got a couple big races coming up this next month before turning attention to trying to qualify for the track Olympic trials, so figured it was a good time to let her tell a little bit about her backstory. On a side note, we'll have some new gear up on our site this next week, so if you enjoy following along, please consider buying one of our shirts, hats, or crewnecks. And with that, on to the show. Enjoy. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of our podcast. Today, I am sitting down with Maggie, a.k.a. Margareta Montoya. She is one of our female athletes, has been in our group almost two years now, and just had a big breakthrough race. Well, we call it a big breakthrough because it was an extremely outstanding performance. Um, she ran 70 minutes and six seconds at the Houston half marathon two weeks ago. It was only her second half marathon that now ranks her about 24th or 25th all time in the U S and why I say it's kind of a breakthrough is like you've, you've been itching to get to those performances all this last year. You've had some outstanding results this past year, starting with, the third place at the U S 15 K champs back in March of 2019 you followed that up with some new PRs on the track, running 15.38 for the 5K. You ran, uh, I think, 11th place at the U.S. 10K Road Championships and then followed that up with a, a 10th place at the U.S. 5K Championships back in November. So, again, some pretty good competition. You've had some pretty solid results. Your first half marathon being in November at the Monterey Bay half. And at that race, you ended up finishing fifth. 73.33 was the final time. And so on paper, this looks like a big jump in performance, but the courses were significantly different. So take us back to the first half marathon before we start getting into the Houston. What was your experience just with the distance? It was a smaller field. You had some good people in there, but just not quite the density as what you saw at Houston. Yeah, Monterey was, it was very hilly. It was a beautiful course, one of the most beautiful courses I've been on, but I was trying to mix it up with some of the girls up in the front and got dropped pretty hard by them and was by myself for about the last seven miles into a headwind. And it was a mentally tough race, but it was a new distance. So I knew no matter what I was going to PR. And all the women that beat you were international. There is one from Australia who was an Olympian, one from Canada uh, who is a sub 32 10 K. Yeah. And has the potential to make their Olympic team this year. And then what two Kenyan women that are both really fast. Yeah. One of them broke the course record by about two minutes, which made it look like I was actually running on a flat course. <laughs> yeah. 
what did you think of the overall distance outside of racing against those women? You had no preconceived notions of what that distance was going to be like. You've, you, you've done some longer stuff in training, but not quite to prepare you for what a half marathon might be like. Yeah. The longest I've done before that was the 10 mile champs and also I've done two 15 Ks, but something about the last five K, which really, if you've been pushing too hard in the beginning part really hurts near the end. And that's where I kind of struggled at. Um, but it was a new distance and I was excited to do it, which made me excited to push through that and just kind of just see what I could do in my first half. Now, fast forward to Houston in January, we saw that you were in really good shape going into the Monterey Bay half. We knew that you were in really good shape going into Houston. You and I had sat down the week before to try to outline what would be an appropriate place for you to go out. And I mean, I point blank told you, like, I'd be pissed if you went out at 72 pace. Like I wanted you going out really fast. Yeah. You scared me telling me, I want you to go out hard. And I was like, Oh no, I don't know what going out hard means. Yeah. And you, you did that. I mean, you said like you posted after you set PRs at the 10 K distance, the 15 K distance, the 10 mile distance in route to what you ended up running. And I, I was looking back at the splits at 15 K you're only two seconds behind Molly huddle. Who's like American record holder. How did that feel? It blew my mind when we were, we fell off her pack and then between 10K and 15K, I caught back up to her pack and I was like, oh no, what am I doing here? Uh, but I think it really helped um, when we were heading into the windy section to be in that big group. And I was, of course, really excited to be in that group and was going to try to do everything I could to stay in it for as long as I could. How, how big was that group, if you remember? Um, less than 10 women. Um, did you have guys with you too? We had like two guys and some guys like come and pass us. It was, I got into that group right before the marathon group broke off from us. And, but when we had that marathon group of guys with us, that really helped. And that was about six and a half, seven where they broke off Mm -hmm. somewhere around there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they helped. There wasn't too much wind on that part, but it just really helped being running a big pack of guys and, um, them kind of being able to carry the pace and, um, it helped me just be able to mentally relax and kind of zone out and just click off the miles as best I could. Were you paying close attention to splits during it or were you just periodically doing checkpoints? I, I was paying attention to the splits, just uh, checking my first mile, kind of like weaving through people getting through. I, my goal was between 520, 525 pace was going to get me that sub 71 and my first mile was 520. And I was like, oh, that's on the lower end. And then I, my second mile was 5.18, and then 5.15, and then 5.12. I was like, oh, no, what's going on here? And then when I went through 10K with about a 30-second PR, I was, like, really hoping I wasn't going to blow up. And uh, the last 5K was a bit tougher. I started feeling it a lot more. But um, I was just surprised as we were going through the splits, and I was still feeling good and clicking off times I didn't think I was going to be able to do going into that race. Yeah, and you said the last 5K, you struggled a little bit. The early part of that last 5K, you also have the slight uphill. You also have the slight headwind. Were you still with people at that point, or did you get disconnected? It was before 11 when we turned to go up that uphill uh, where I fell off the group with Molly Huddle and uh, Molly Seidel and Katie Moen um, and the rest of them. 
And so, yeah, I did fall off there, but I, I just tried to push up the uphill and um, didn't really make up any distance, but I think um, didn't lose much distance. And so that was a little bit better. And then I just tried to bring it home at the end. And I was hurting, but when I turned and saw the finish line and saw that it was still in the 69 minutes and I was like going to be really close to either breaking or being low, I was really surprised and just was trying to get to that finish line. Yeah, you had no idea you were that close to something. I had no idea. I was not doing the math in my head. Yeah, so it's we had kind of talked about you if you ran everything perfectly, it would you had a chance of running around 70-30. Breaking 71 was the primary goal, though. And I was scared about that. Yeah. And here at the end, you have a chance of breaking 70. When you crossed the finish line, did it sink in right away at what you had just done? You said it, it didn't really hit you until the afternoon, but was it more shocked? Was It, it actually I- took me a couple of days for it to really hit me because I didn't quite have my head wrapped around it. And then with me being so close to breaking into the next minute barrier, I was actually kind of disappointed that I didn't do that. But then I had to remind myself, like, you ran a minute faster than you thought you were going to be able to. And, um, but it was a crazy day, like running that fast. I was ninth American and it's a good day for American it was, distance. It was a right? good, day, it was a good day for American distance for sure. So being that close to breaking 70 minutes, um, does it, it, does it excite you again to, to go into your next half? Does it, does it kind of temper your expectations? expectations a little bit like you you want to go race it more now as opposed to trying to time trial it like Houston was yeah I'd like to definitely do Houston again I know um times vary course to course um so and weather to weather too like yeah, that weather was to weather yeah. competition the competition yeah. yeah it was a little windy that day but you wouldn't think it was windy looking at the results um yeah I'd like to not necessarily like I would like to break into that next minute barrier, but just depending on whatever halves I do, I think I just have to look at the course, look at the day, look at the competition, and just kind of judge the performance off of that um, and hope that I just get another chance to run a course in a day like Houston again. Yeah, and after the race, like we said, it was a big step forward for you. It kind of sets the tone for what the rest of the year might hold. You now have an agent. Yep. You're going to be working with Josh Cox, who also works with Aaliyah Gray and Noah Drotti from our team. Um, it it kind of puts you into the conversation now of, can you make a U.S. team? What events do we have you focus on on the track to try to make the track Olympic trials? Do you eventually become a marathoner? Is that something that excites you? We know you have a lot of speed. We see it all the time in training. What is it that it, you're excited about this next year? Is it the roads? Is it the track? Is it a combination of both? Kind of excited about really anything right now. I mean, I'm not excited about doing a marathon right now. Uh, watching all my teammates, I was like, oof, I don't know if I could do that many mile repeats. But um, I am excited to get on the track. I'm doing Husky as my next race, and 3K is probably one of my favorite races from college. I really miss doing the 3K, and so I'm really excited to get another chance at doing that. It's been three years since I've done a, yeah, three years since I've done a 3K, so I'm really excited about doing that, and... Try to go for a new PR. I think your PR, new PR is PR. My new PR is from the, my sophomore year of college, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. So, yeah, I'm trying to hit a new PR there and see what I can do. It's been a while since I've been back on the track, and especially on an indoor track, and, and then we were hoping that 
Houston would kind of set the tone of what I was going to do for the rest of the season. But now that I've ran at Houston, now I still don't quite know what I'm going to gear towards. I know Olympic track trials is uh, my big goal. I'd love to do the 5K and get better and more comfortable in the 10K. Um, but I would really like to do some more road races because I really enjoy getting out there and running. Yeah, and you've been racing well at those, too. Yeah, the roads are fun. Not as many laps. Yeah, and (laughs) it's like we we joke that the roads help you support yourself when you go to the track because track, you lose a lot of money, whereas the roads, you can make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so there's the balance of trying to mix together both to make sure that you don't go too much into a hole when you're going to a lot of these track races. If you had to pick your preference, 5K versus 10, when you look at outdoors... Uh, looking at outdoors, depending if I'm on a track or a road, uh, I really like the 5k on that track, but I do want to get better at the 10k on the track because I feel like my road PR shouldn't be a minute faster than my track PR. And I think we'll have you run both this spring on the track. The tough part for you and I to kind of sit down and outline will be, okay, say you qualify for both the way that the schedule shakes out for trials, do you do both if you were to qualify or do you focus on one knowing that the 10K comes first and then the 5K comes after, Mm -hmm. especially if you're most excited for the five? And Aliyah and I have said all along, like you're probably one of the most talented people I've coached, especially on the female side. And you have the, we keep telling you you're a sub 15, 10 female. And it's one of those things that Houston was a good, stepping stone for you, the performances you've had on the roads this last year, getting a breakthrough, even though it's not the breakthrough we know that you're capable of on the track in the 5K, but getting that monkey off your back that you now have a new PR, mm-hmm. it kind of, we've seen the confidence growing that we we know that once you step back on the track, you're poised for a big breakthrough. So even though we, we keep telling you, you're a 1510 female, you're a 1510 female, you now will be in some of those events that'll give you the opportunity to try to run that. Yeah, I'm very excited about that, being able to have a little bit more confidence, having a recent time that'll help me feel like my marks are recent enough to improve upon them and run with some of the best women in the nation and just see what I can do. I obviously want to get the Olympic trial standard and getting the Olympic standard would be an added bonus for sure. I thought it was funny when you and I were kind of talking through the agent agent decision um, that you you kept bringing up track 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 because last year it was roads roads roads. What what is it this year compared to last year that excites you about getting on the track? Um, I think it's just having that breakthrough in the five k and wanting it's the Olympic trials it's the Olympic year you want to. The year that everybody shows up to be the best that they can in that four-year cycle. And I think it just excites me for that. And I really want to make it to the trials. I've never been there. And I think it would just be just something. Uh, Especially in the new Eugene Stadium. I mean, that's going to be exciting, too. Have you, you've never yeah, raced I ran Oh, the, you ran I ran at Haywood the, um, I ran at the old stadium. Um, I did the Junior USA right. yeah. uh, in college. Was and that 2015? 2014. Okay. After my freshman year of college. Okay. Um, and so I'd, it'd be exciting to go back there and run in the new stadium. Really excited about that. 
Yeah, and we're hoping, obviously, you'll have a couple of teammates there alongside with you, and especially Aaliyah in particular, like making the decision not to focus on marathon trials. She'll be in a lot of workouts and and races with you that hopefully the two of you can kind of feed off each other to get both of you at the Olympic trials. One question that somebody asked uh, online regarding your Houston performance was, was the idea of making the jump from a 73-33 half marathoner to then have a chance at breaking 70 scarier and intimidating going in? Now, we've said contextually, we knew Monterey Bay is a slower course in Houston. We knew it would be more like a track race on the roads at Houston. But just wrapping your head around trying to make that type of a jump so close close to doing your debut at the distance what was your mindset going in? You knew we wanted you to go out fast, but... I think it was just after seeing everybody run Houston last year, I wanted to be there, and I was going to do everything I could to be there with my team this year. And after Monterey, I knew how tough the course was. I knew that it was my a new distance, um, and I was just really excited. I knew it was a semi-quick turnaround, but I think um, just mileage-wise where I'm at, like all year round I felt comfortable with that and comfortable going out for a half marathon and I was just I think just the excitement to do it makes the difference and I was so excited to be there that well and you you touched on mileage like uh, go ahead and share what your mileage is right now and that's the highest you've been yeah 70 to 80 I hit 70 75 most all of college and I've been between 70 and 80 now it helps supplement doing half marathon training but also doing track training because I still can get speed stuff mm-hmm. and I'm not having to do anything for a marathon training now <laughs> we just got your 400 under 60. yeah now I just gotta get my 400 under 60 it's been a couple years yeah um going back to before college how did you start running get into running was it high school was it before high school it was my eighth grade year my dad's tennis partner's girlfriend was one of the middle school coaches and knew that I played soccer and was outside mid and loved running around, um, suggested I go out and try running. And so I went out and met with the middle school and high school team and during the summer practices and we did a loop around the lake there, which was two miles. And I thought, okay, that was fun. That was my longest run, but that was fun. And then the next practice, the high school coach suggested I go out and do this four mile route, which I got through about two miles of walked a bunch and then there was a long mile long downhill that I just I ran down but I walked most of it um but I was still enjoying it and so that's why I kept coming back and I kept running and I was doing soccer eighth and ninth grade too and traveling with that and everything and I just had to make the decision which one I was most passionate about and I decided to go with running and I'm really glad I did do you remember what your high school times were um yes what, uh, so you were more miler or two miler or more eight? So I did miler? 800 up to two mile. Um, I was, I did 211 in the 800, five, 452 in the mile and 1036 in the two mile. And this was in Arkansas? Yeah, this was in Arkansas. So, um, touch on that real quick. You, you've kind of lived a bunch of places growing up because of parents work shifting mm-hmm. around, but you went to high school primarily in Arkansas. Yeah, I spent, um, we moved to Arkansas in 2004, so I've spent most of my life in Arkansas, associating myself with Arkansas. We were all over before that, but I definitely call Arkansas my home. Um, So I went there from third grade on to high school. And training, racing in humidity compared to now training 
exclusively up at altitude. Somebody had asked the question, which one you find more difficult? Do you? Um, it kind of just depends on the time of the year. <laughs> um, obviously, Texas is where I went to school at, and Arkansas, well, they both get really hot, really humid. Um, and, yeah, the humidity is really rough when you walk out on a 100-plus degree day and hit a wall of humidity. It doesn't feel that good, but um, I had a bad habit of sleeping in during the summers and putting off my run to later in the day. So I got really used to running in that really hot, humid weather. So it's just kind of like what you get yourself comfortable with. Um, so I think I would be uncomfortable going back to that, but I'd have to get used to it. I think it's just where, however long you're there, you just kind of get used to it. And you said the winds can be pretty bad too, right? In, in Arkansas. Arkansas, I feel like during the springtime when the season is changing, it's just constant wind during the afternoons. Uh, which kind of made some lonely workouts um, out there a bit tougher before I moved out to Boulder and uh, officially joined the Roots team. How's the wind here compared to what you see in Arkansas? And he- here, it's not as bad, like, consistent-wise, like it was most days yeah, in like Arkansas. Yeah, because, like, almost every day in Arkansas. But right? here, when it's windy, it's windy. It comes off the mountains, and it knocks <laughs> and makes you feel like you're going to get knocked over, like that day that... The wind knocked over the semi truck. Oh yeah, that's a windy day. We don't have that in Arkansas. Usually. And this is more like gusty too, right? Whereas yeah. there it can be constant. It's so like yeah, it's like in. more a constant thing. They can kind of plan a workout around that. Was your high school team very regimented or disciplined, or was it more of an unsure? Like, did you track mileage? Did you um, learn a lot about the sport when you were there, or was it more college that you started getting a look like really serious about it? So it was a very like I had a good structure where. We became a good team, but we were all having fun. Like, we didn't focus on mileage. We had, like, predictable workouts, like mile repeats a couple, like, every other week. And 400s, lots of 400s. We would also do fun things like tag 200s, where we pair up in teams. And that was a lot of fun. But we learned a lot about running. We didn't do, like, tempos and stuff. Um, We didn't focus on high mileage, but... um, my high school had like our coach had the most state titles of anybody in the mm. in the uh, state, and he ran at Arkansas under John McDonald, and oh, yeah. was took some of that from his college training um, and brought it to us without like making it too strict, so we were still enjoying it. Were you recruited a lot coming out of high school, or did you want to stay local, close to home, or did you want to go out of state? Uh, I was willing to stay home just because Arkansas is a really good team. But I was also looking at Arizona State, and I loved Arizona. I have really bad allergies, and in Arizona, I was like, I can't possibly be allergic to a cactus. And so that was a big draw there, and I really liked the coach that was there at the time. And uh, that's where Shelby Hullahan was, who I looked up to. And then I also looked at Baylor. I had um, connections with people down at Baylor because some of them were my camp counselors at uh, a camp that I went to in high school. And ultimately, I made the decision to go to Baylor, uh, which was a lot of fun. I met a lot of lifelong friends there. Now take us through your Baylor experience. Your PRs were from sophomore year. Yeah, most of my PRs were from sophomore year, and I attribute that largely to who I was training with. I had Rachel Johnson, who was a power in the 3K and 5K and the 10K. I had Maya Kelly, who is now like a 410, 1500-meter runner, and Alicia Kelly, who's a 201, 800-meter runner. I had all three of them to train with and gear off of, and they'd been, they were veteran runners. And so I just was I was just following them, chasing them everywhere, and I think that made a huge difference in 
after that, like they all graduated and left. I was um, not alone. I still had a lot of training partners, but I didn't have people to like chase. And I think that was yeah. Now you're at the front. Well, and you've had to do a lot of training here where you're kind of solo and on the front. So do you feel like that experience helped prep you for kind of where you're at now? Like you do have training partners here, but I love Aaliyah, Lexi and Jen, but like your speed comparative to theirs and some of the intervals or the longer repeats is, is faster. And so we've tried to tie you in where it makes it where you have people to work out with, but some of that you still have to set the tone yourself. Yeah. I mean, I feel like college and like high school too, um, kind of helped me with that experience. But I think just being post-collegiate and it being something that I'm pursuing, that's not just for academics makes it, makes a big difference. Like I, and I'm still out there with my teammates every single day and the long stuff we're together like the whole time. So it's just like the speed stuff where it might be different or I I might have less reps and they have a lot more reps. Um, And the speed stuff you can wrap your head around a little bit easier too, as opposed to like having to do an eight mile threshold run or a 16 mile long run or something like that, Mm -hmm. where it becomes a little bit more daunting to, to go it alone. Yeah, and, like, in college, I had teammates that I was with for, like, all the long stuff. And on the track stuff, I was chasing, like, some of the 800 girls when they would come up and um, do some workouts with us. And here, uh, yeah, I do have all the long stuff with Aaliyah, Lexi, and Jen. Um, and the shorter stuff, it's normally on the track a week at the workout where it kind of helps all of us. Um, yeah, you can kind of chase or you start with them and then you're closing hard, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um when you look back at your college career, knowing that a lot of your, your PRs are from sophomore year, when you now get to your senior year, do you feel like that put a little bit more pressure on yourself going into competitions? Like, because it had been a while since you PR'd that now it's like, I need to PR. I feel like I'm in good shape. Yeah, it did. Um, and like I brought my mile time down and my, um, but yeah, the other times were not quite as close. I was better in cross country than I was my sophomore year, but the track is where I kind of struggled that more. Um, and I got my 3K to 9.12 my senior year. Um, junior year was just a rough time mentally. I was struggling with a lot of uh, track, enjoying running at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so senior year was more of enjoy, like enjoying that I was back out there and feeling good and enjoying the sport. And yeah, I wanted to be PR, but that big thing was I wanted to run post-collegiately. I wanted to make sure I was excited to be out there and I didn't necessarily PR, but I felt more confident and I felt better. You just said like you wanted to run post-collegiately. What was that drive to try to pursue it post-collegiately? What, what made you want to continue? Cause my senior year, I knew that I had more, I, my PRs are still for my sophomore year, but I knew I still had more, left in me and more of a desire to run faster, try new distances. And I knew I'd, I couldn't do that on my own. Um, so I needed to find a coach. I was with coach Ryder for about a couple months before I joined Roots. Um, and yeah, you were there. What about six months? Yeah, about six months. And, and that's which was a lot of you, fun. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, it was like 30 minutes away from where you grew up. Yeah. So I normally drive down there after work for the afternoon practices, which which was a lot of fun training with them. And I think that definitely helped. Um, yeah. I mean, you had, me over to, yeah. 
Yeah, you had good training partners. It was what Dominique Scott, <laughs> Nikki Hiltz, Teresa yeah. Hayes, Jessica Camilas. Yeah, um, yeah, and like I did an indoor mile there after not racing a track race in a long time, and I was just a couple hundredths of a second from a PR uh, for the indoor mile. Yeah. So I was I was feeling better, um, but I knew that uh, I kind of wanted to move to like a post collegiate like specific training group. So how did you come to find us? Like, I know like <laughs> our first interaction with you was Aliyah and I were hanging out in the hotel pre Peyton Jordan and she's just going through hedgehog videos and came across a video of your hedgehog at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. So I had a hedgehog Mokiki and I remember you guys commenting on that. Uh, and then Aaliyah went out and ran sub 32 that night, which is <laughs> yeah. super cool. Um, and then fast forward to December of 2017, I, uh, went out with my family to Colorado and was asking like a suggestion, like the only people I knew out there were Roots and didn't really know them that well. I just knew that they had commented on something about my hedgehog. <laughs> Your hedgehog. And so then I felt kind of confident or okay. Asking like, what do you suggest is the best coffee shop in downtown Boulder? And we went to the boxcar, my family and I. Um, it was just a good recommendation. Great recommendation. Yeah. It was very good. Um, and then uh, Alea reached out to meet for a run and ran with her. She met my dog when she was still a puppy. The she only had- person that knows my dog is a puppy. Um, and then we went to the boxcar again afterwards and talked about running. And she talked a lot about roots. And I really liked everything she was saying. And so um, uh, I had like kind of a breaking moment when I was back in Arkansas where I slipped on some ice and busted my hip pretty bad and um, kind of was in a weird place where I was missing like being training with a team because the Arkansas team was traveling a lot. And um, I was, that was kind of the point where I was like, I kind of want to reach out and find other training groups. And I reached out to you guys and Boulder Track Club and Lauren Bacad's husband and traveled and met everybody and really liked it. And, um, Really enjoyed Lauren Paquette, but I yeah. there's something about Colorado that really drew me to going to Colorado, and she understood. Well, Lauren Paquette's a Baylor grad, so you Baylor already grad, knew yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, her and her husband are awesome. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to go out to Colorado, and that's what brought me to Roots, and it was a pretty easy decision. Now, that first year under us, like you, you stayed in Arkansas for the most of the spring. You moved out, what, the end of the June? The last day of June. Yeah. So... I was coaching you remotely. I started coaching you about mid-March and coached you through the end of your track season. Then you ended up making the move that summer. And that was, you set a big PR in the 1500. It was your mm-hmm. first PR since your sophomore year. I think you ran 415, I yeah. believe, and your and PR I, was 419. Uh, 418. And then I uh, beat that PR at Portland again a couple right. weeks later. So I felt like I was in a good trajectory up to that point because I had a kind of disappointing 5K for my first yeah, but, well, okay. but I was just saying, yes kind of no. getting used to every, yeah. like new training and everything, but for sure. I mean, you ran 16 flat, which was still solid. Mm-hmm. Like your, your PR in college was 1546, 44, and then that was sophomore year. And then your senior year, you ran 1555, mm-hmm. which was the only other time you had broken 16 since that sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And so 16 flat, although we, we were seeing your training coming along really well, it was still only what four or five weeks in to me coaching you mm-hmm. that it was still a, a good step to get you close to where we thought you were capable of. 
but that first year you would have some solid performances. You'd have some ones where it was, the five K was like your, your kryptonite. It was like, there'd be like one 800 or one K during that five K that you'd kind of fall off pace, but then you'd close really well. Yeah. I'd have a, a 16 minute barrier. I just yeah. could not break it for that year. But, and, and it wasn't until the following year that you were able to make a big step forward. You ran the, the 1538 going from some of that inconsistency, we can talk about the racing stuff, like the things that you've kind of helped mentally to kind of work through some of those barriers. But then also one of the things we identified is you are a vegetarian and you weren't taking iron when you, when you first moved up to altitude, Mm -hmm. you weren't taking it down when you were back at Arkansas, you started taking iron a little bit more consistently because your ferritin's typically really low. Mm -hmm. You're in the, you're in the teens normally. And that's been the standard for you for most of your adulthood. Vegetarian, like how long have you been vegetarian? It's since you were a little kid. Uh, now it's been 12 years. Yeah. And that was, that was more of a, it's not like. It wasn't like a environmental choice or, or anything like that or health choice. It was just, I could not stand eating meat. Yeah. You don't um, like the now, taste of it, right? Now it's more of like, I back it up with some environmental support and everything. Um, but at the time it was just, I could not stand eating meat. I decided I was at the age where I could tell my parents I wasn't going to eat it anymore. Yeah. But you still eat fish. You still eat shellfish. And Mm -hmm. so you've been trying to incorporate shellfish a little bit more to, to increase the iron. And even though, like you, you said before we started the podcast, you're, you're still trying to find consistency with taking your iron. You're, you're maybe not as consistent as you feel like you should. It's more consistent than you had previously been prior to moving out here and we feel like that's also helped or made a difference yeah I was not taking anything before I came out here I was some in college just because I also had really low iron and ferritin levels in college and for me that was just the norm I was just told I need to take more iron and so I tried to be adamant about it but pretty bad at sticking to a regimen of taking things like my allergy medicine and stuff and so incorporating iron which kind of upsets your stomach uh it's not enjoyable. It's not, it's not an enjoyable experience. I know I need to do it, but, uh, so I'm trying to supplement also just being more conscientious about watching what I'm eating. Um, just and timing to, too, like timing, timing of things. when you're taking um, it. Yeah. yeah, not putting it near calcium or anything and trying to find cereals that are fortified with iron, but a milk that doesn't have much calcium in it. Um, and that's such a fine balance, right? Cause yeah. it's like, you still need calcium, but you also, yeah, my like, calcium levels are, I think yeah, they're, all, they're pretty really high. Good. Uh, yeah. Don't know how I don't drink milk. <laughs> well, and that's something for everyone listening at home. Like our athletes will get periodic blood work and for the most part outside of iron, they don't really supplement with anything other than if we feel like they're low, if their calcium stores are low, which is rarely the case with our athletes, um, or their ferritin stores are, are low, they'll supplement with iron. Um, most of the time, they'll get most of their nutrients from whole foods. But the reason we track blood work is to make sure they're they're not digging themselves into a hole. And so that way, as we're starting a training block, we can start identifying what their norms are. So if something starts going wrong during a training block, we can look back and say like, oh, well, that makes sense. Your ferritin stores are really low or your heart enzymes are really high or your white blood cell cell count is through the roof. And so you might be fighting off an infection or overtraining. And Mm -hmm. so we can start dialing in training that's going to be more appropriate for you. 
but it's also something that like nutritionally you guys have to do a really good job of making sure you're getting in enough calories and balancing out the type of nutrients that you're taking in, especially for you being vegetarian, that factors in. Yeah. And so since I know myself not being good at taking iron every single day, it's just trying to make up for it with dietary increase in iron. Like, um, I loved, sounds gross, but I love these canned smoked oysters that are really good, but it has 40% of my daily value of iron in it. And also a lot of protein, which I struggle with, with not eating meat. And so I can kind of tick off two boxes with that, eating those every once in a while, um, or like once a week, um, give me a little boost for something I really enjoy. Now, aside from the nutritional stuff that's made a big difference with your performance, has anything changed with the way that you've approached race? I know we've talked about a little bit in the past with performance anxiety or putting too much pressure or confidence or stuff like that. As you look, reflect back on this last year, has you, have you seen that side of your approach to racing change? We keep saying you're a killer when it comes to training. I see you do some incredible things with workouts and you hit almost every workout that we put on paper and there was a disconnect between your training and your racing outcomes in the past. Some of that was obviously you were sick going into us five key champs <laughs> two years ago and, uh, getting adjusted to altitude gain adjusted to our system. But now as you've grown over this past year, what do you think has made the biggest shift? I think just maturing as an athlete, having a coach that really cares, like you're oh, hard on me you. when you, you're hard on me when I need to be told like what I need to do. And I think, that for me is what really helps me um, improve as an athlete um, and having a great team that like no matter what, we all go out there and we try to do our best and be excited about it. And I think for the, me, that energy is what really helps. Um, and I think just getting a little bit more confidence and maturing as an athlete. Uh, it's not college. It's not high school anymore. I'm trying to make a career of this. Uh, so we kind of got to treat it, treat it like a job. Mm-hmm. sometimes, um, but also enjoying it. And I think it's just staying engaged and knowing I'm out here, I'm out here doing it cause I love it and I enjoy it. And, um, I think that makes a big difference is when you, it's something like you enjoy and you are, it's not like fully like a job job, but it's something that you enjoy. Yeah. It's a passionate, do. it's a passionate project, but you're also making it. It's into a career. Something like it's something can, that you yeah. are. Yeah. That I'm really excited to be out here and doing. And I know that in competitions, like sometimes I would have those lapses and I'm trying to close those lapses or eradicate them fully. Um, just cause I know if I want to continue doing this, um, that performance could be what makes or breaks, what gets me to something else or, and I think that makes a big difference in my head and, just loving it more. Well, and when you look at some of the people that you're racing around, you look at the 10K champs, the 5K champs, and now with Houston, some of those women are veteran, established women that have big sponsors behind their name, accolades to their name, Olympic team accomplishments, American records, like we said with Molly Huddle. Like when you find yourself two seconds behind Molly Huddle, 15K into a half marathon, is it, oh my God, that's Molly Huddle, or is it like, fuck yeah, I'm with Molly Huddle? Yeah, I'm still definitely like starstricken when I'm running near uh, people like that, uh, but it also makes me feel a little bit better. Like in that race, that's when it was starting to hurt and everything, but I was when I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm in this group. And so I think that 
things like that help me just continue pushing because I want to be in that group. I want to show that I can be there. Um, and yeah, I finished a bit behind her, but it was that mental, it was that mental engagement that really helped me, um, just trying to stay there because I wanted and felt like I should be there and wanted to be there. Yeah. And one of the things that I've applauded you for over this past year is like you said, you've matured a lot as a professional, you've matured a lot as an athlete, you've gotten yourself into a good rhythm with training, with work-life balance. And that's something that's a big challenge for a lot of people coming out. That first year, especially is a huge transition, especially when you're moving to a new area, a new coach, a new team. Somebody asked about how you handled that transition. Initially, you weren't handling it super great. No. (laughs) This past year, you've made a lot of changes, both personally and professionally, that have have improved your ability to see those big jumps in performances and, and actually put training into practice when you're at races. What advice would you give to somebody that might be that junior, senior year of college when they are trying to make that transition to now pursue post-collegiate running lessons that you have learned mistakes that you have learned from like what advice would you give to the younger one um i think if you're going somewhere to go train put yourself somewhere where it makes you happy i was really excited to come out to colorado um and that was really big for me um and so i was really excited to be out here and and I still struggled with my running when I came out here, but it's kind of adjusting and creating a schedule that works for you and surrounding yourself with people that have similar mindsets and goals. Um, and um, I think one big thing that I really like is my dog. And she, she makes me really happy. And I think like I, when I'm racing and stuff or like after races, if I want any money, I think, Oh, I could get her like some new treats or we can, I can take some time off of work and spend some time with her and, um, or she's like who I look forward to going home from work each day and running with her is a lot of fun. And I think having her, I got her like after I graduated running, I think having her is really fun. I don't know if that's stupid to say, but no, no, no. I love, I love having my dog. Um, that's, but, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of the key parts of what keeps Aaliyah balanced is taking naps with dog in between training and double. Yeah, it's just someone I can always look forward to going home. And I have awesome roommates. I love seeing them, too. Um, but uh, consistency in my training, I'm really bad about taking naps, so I have to be better about getting just more nighttime sleep. And so I've been better about that and just creating a schedule that works best. Like, And when I close at work, make sure I have kind of a meal prep schedule set out for me so that way I don't have to cook. I don't have to stay up much later. I can go to bed and get up the next morning and kind of have everything um, set to work with running and work. So I'm not stressing out. I'm not having to do more than I really need to. Yeah. So one of the other things too, and correct me if I'm wrong, like we're in an area where there's a lot of post-collegiate runners so that the ability to compare yourself to other post-collegiates are going to be higher, but there's also a, a larger social network of people going through the same thing that you're going through, but you're also working a lot and then you're training really hard. How do you weigh that balance of being social, but then also making sure that you get the rest recovery? And that may not have been something that was easy when you first moved out because you're excited about the area. You're trying to meet a bunch of new people. You're also single at the time. Now you're currently in a committed relationship with (laughs) somebody that I'm fortunate enough to coach. But And that's I think, also has made a big difference because 
Jordan, Jordan Carpenter is Maggie's boyfriend. He's the coach of Pomona Pitzer and they just won the D3 national title. So like I, it's easy for me to keep pumping you up and talking about confidence, <laughs> but it helps having that other person that understands the sport in your corner. That's also doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But going back to that social life balance, like, was it, is it, it's easier now, obviously, cause you're in that committed relationship to kind of say like, you know what, I'm tired. I'm not going to go out with friends and stuff. I'm going to get some rest versus what it may have been before when you're single, new to an area, trying to meet new people. How did, how was that transition trying to balance? I don't have class, so I can go out, but I still have training. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been different. It's knowing I came out here to do a job. Um, so it took me a little while to get that focus. Um, but once I did, um, pretty much most all my friends are on the Roots team or associated with the Roots team or my co-workers. And so um, I don't go out and party with my co-workers, but I've hung out with my co-workers and gotten, like, meals or seen a movie and stuff. Um, and then with my teammates, it's we all go grab a beer and we hang out for a couple hours. And for me, that's a social interaction I really look forward to and I really enjoy. And I'm good friends and close with my roommates. Um, and there are, most of them are runners. Yeah, runners. We're runners support running or have schedules that are conducive to those around us. Um, like are respectful of our like time waking up early and everything. Um, and so I think that's just really helped. Um, and I look forward to going home. So I don't necessarily need to go out and go grab a drink with friends afterwards. Cause I'll go home and enjoy a glass of wine with my roommates and we'll play set loads of Catan. We love playing that. And for me, that's the balance that's really helped me is having a good like home life and, uh, personal life that really has a good balance. Now, like you said, um, Colorado was something that really excited you. And if you go back to looking at when you were trying to make the decision of pursuing post-collegiate running, when you were looking at areas that you potentially could see yourself moving to, was it, I'm going to look at all the areas that are more conducive to running, or is it more, I'm going to look at an area I might enjoy and then see if there's running groups there? It was kind of a mix of both. I wanted to go somewhere I was excited to live at because what I've told people when I went to college, and I enjoyed my experience at Baylor for the most part, but for me, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it if I wasn't running. And what I tell people is go somewhere, be somewhere that if you weren't running or something happened with running, you're still going to love being there. And for me, it's like I took that chance with Colorado. Like if I got hurt or if I decided to not pursue running anymore, yeah, I could move somewhere else, but I'd also be happy staying here. And for me, that made a big decision on me coming out here. And luckily, Boulder has a ton of running groups. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you look ahead now to some of the goals that you want to accomplish, what do you? There's a balance now because you're you're moving into that space where you have the potential to earn a decent living at the sport. You made a decent amount last year just in terms of prize money, and if you keep improving prize money, maybe sponsorship, maybe appearance fees come into play a little bit more from races. Does that become more of a motivating factor outside of just trying to improve? Do you, how do you hold on to that ability to say, you know what, I just want to keep getting better. And that other stuff kind of falls in place versus I'm only going to go here because I know how much money I can make if I go there. I mean, some places like you kind of want to go to because you both enjoy the race. It has money on the deck, but there's other things that I love going to. I love going to Payne, Jordan, and Stanford. There's no money in that, but I love racing out there. It's a fast place to race. Okay, so, like, when we look ahead to the fall, most of that's going to be road races. So, like, as we start outlining your fall, 
what do you think will influence? Is it, I want to go to us 10 K champs because it's a U.S. championship. There's a decent prize purse. Or is it, I want to go to this 10 K or this 10 mile race because of, they might offer me an appearance fee, even though the competition might not be super deep or I want to go overseas and run a really fast half marathon because I just want to run as fast as I can, even though I know I might not make me any money. Yeah. I think it's kind of just seeing where I can, how I could grow from that experience. Like I love going to New York and race. It normally has prize money, but I've enjoyed going there, not making anything. Um, and they take good care of and you. And they take good care of you. And so I, I think it's, for me, it makes a big, big decision going somewhere where you have kind of like those relationships with people already because you look forward to seeing them. Some of like the athletes that go are like old faces, new faces, you meet new people, but you also see people that you've raced against there a couple times. Um, and for me, like I really enjoy that experience going somewhere that I'm getting more familiar with. Um, not that I've been there a ton, but I've been there enough times that I've I've now enjoyed going to New York City. <laughs> well, and especially when you keep performing well at their races, like it makes it even more exciting to go back because there's, like you said, there's the familiarity with certain people. There's the familiarity with what host hotel you might be staying in, the location of where you do your shakeout runs, certain Favorite places. Pizza joint. Yeah, coffee shops that you like <laughs> to go to. But then it's also like the exposure on a bigger stage. And when you keep performing well on those bigger stages, the excitement tends to grow. We see that with a lot of these marathons too. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a huge thing. Like ultimately that should be probably the driving force behind which races you pick is what's going to excite you the most. And is it something that you can see yourself taking another big step forward in terms of your running career? Cause there's a lot of other road races that are five K's and tens that might not have any competition and it's not going to do much in terms of moving the needle forward. Yeah. And I think that's kind of deciding like that's a, that's the part that I think is important in running is not necessarily like the money is important, but also what's going to make you get better. And by getting better, maybe be able to make more of a living later on. Um, and that's why like that track is really important. Like there's not really a lot of money in it, but it's where you can improve on times and that's where you can show like what you can do off the road. And on like a stage that is comparable around the world, not necessarily because courses fluctuate. Um, and and so, it shows your versatility as an athlete too, like being able to transition between both and compete well. Yeah. And I don't want to get away from the track quite yet because I'm still excited to see what I can do there. And then, but yeah, the fall, the fall there's not a lot of track, track races stuff, going yeah. on. And so that's where I can kind of branch out with a lot of road races. And I love going to New York, but. I also tried a couple new races this year with the 10 mile champs and gate river Monterey and Bloomsday Monterey. It's really fun going to new places as well and getting those experiences at either new distances or just new places I've never been before. Now all your races up to this point, so we don't make any race director frustrated have been your very enjoyable experience. But if you had to pinpoint one road race that you really, really enjoyed, it doesn't have to be like, Houston, you just ran really fast. And so that experience might be your favorite, but it's also just the whole circumstance of the weekend that has been your favorite ones thus far. Oh, pretty much all of them. It's a good <laughs> politically correct answer. <laughs> I mean, I've enjoyed all of them. They've all been new distances and I keep bringing up New York just because I've been there a couple of times. It's just kind of somewhere where I'm familiar with, but I've also, I love Gate River. We had an event that night where we all like got together with like, all the runners or sponsors and everybody and had like a good 
meal and some drinks and stuff. And then at and the race director, it, yeah. he's, not, he's an Eagles fan, so I love him. <laughs> They're all great. Like they'll do in like at Monterey, they were very helpful with like helping me figure out like something with that doesn't have meat and everything, and helping cater towards that. And a beautiful area, beautiful area, of course. Yeah. That I mean, I have to say that is the most beautiful place I've raced at. I, I, <laughs> I can't, keep it's I can't my compare that course, place yeah. to anyone anywhere else. I thought I would get distracted during the race if I saw a whale. <laughs> Um, jump out of the water or something. Um, but no, they've all been nice. I've loved building those experiences with everybody. Um, and I want to be able to go back to all of them, which I know is not realistic to be able to do every single year. So I kind of got to figure. They can choose, but there's time and place for all. Oh, but I want to go back to all of them. Yeah. (laughs) I really enjoyed, enjoyed going to there. I think, um, yeah, I definitely want to go back to each of them, but, uh, and then, but see other places. Like I'd love to race overseas. And mm-hmm. yeah, you haven't been over to Europe to race yet. And I haven't that been over be, to Europe to race. I think it'd be really cool to do um, any kind of race over there. Now, um, one person asked favorite racing flat. That's non four percent or Vaporfly because <laughs> we know you've raced in Vaporfly and four percent. But what other flats have you used? Um, the Street LTs. I trained in those a lot, and I did the five k out in New York and those. I really liked racing in those because they feel flat and they feel fast and it kind of makes me feel like I'm in a spike. Yeah, it tracks spike a little <laughs> <Tracks> bit. Spike. <laughs> and then um, one question for me, like you, you've adapted well to our training and we've obviously, the, your second year in our system be a huge breakthrough year. We expect that to continue into this next year as you make that next jump. What do you feel like has been the most challenging workout that you've had? Oh my goodness. It was definitely the day that I did 10 one Ks on the track and trainers because I had holes in my, oh, I had holes in my flats and Midgey said, you are not doing another workout in those. Yeah. So I, I made did you put those back in the car on a windy day on the track at like 310 to 315 pace, which for mm. me was very hard to begin with. And you did great. Oh, it was, it was rough. I barely got through it, but we knew <laughs> that, then. Was, that was the hardest workout I have ever done here. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely we, case on the track because there's there's usually a lot of them. <laughs> well, you'll get to do some of those this spring as you prep for some of those track <laughs> races. That was my own fault. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> that's one thing that I think having uh, a boyfriend that's also a coach has helped with, too, is just, like, he's... Makes me he, buy my... Like, he makes sure I buy my shoes in a timely manner. Yeah, that you don't wear them into the ground. Because that was... And some of that may not even be intentional. It's just losing track of... I've done that. I mean, I've done that my whole life. I'll have a favorite pair of shoes I loved wearing to school, and I wear them until my parents would throw them away because they told me, you can't wear these anymore. Well, and you went to a college program where you didn't have to think about it. You just got your footwear. I still wear those under the ground, too, though. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a bad problem. (laughs) All right. Well, we're excited, uh, obviously, with how you performed at Houston, and this this is your first podcast. I thought you did great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> but we'll we'll obviously track what you've had this spring. We'll have you back on again later this spring, especially if you're able to qualify for the Olympic trials, talking about that experience and and kind of what's ahead for you. Um, but proud of you. Excited to see what's next. And nice job again this, this last race. Thank you.